You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informed Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, the 26th of March. We have been gone for a little while, but between Vince's work and me becoming a granddad and everything else going on, we've just been exceptionally busy, but it's getting back to normal, so so will the podcast, as will our Popcorn Ronin movie podcast. So if you've been wondering where that's been, well, that explains it. We haven't given up anything. We just needed that time off for a little bit. We're coming back with a vengeance, though. We got some... A little bit of format changes we're going to be doing to the show, almost imperceptible for the most point. Although, one of the things you may notice, depending on the issues that we're reading in what we're reading, or I should say the issues we're discussing in what we're reading, if it's something that we feel deserves more of an in-depth discussion, what we're actually going to be doing is putting separate you know, point issues is just, it's a nice little jab as well at the same time, uh, episodes, which people can then download if they're interested in those specific issues or, or comics, I should say. So we're not going to be doing that for all of them, obviously. And it's not going to be every single time, but you know what, if we feel as we're talking, listen, this deserves much more of a discussion than what we can fit in what we're reading. We're going to let folks know they can download that episode and then they can listen to that. Also, we're going to change up what we're doing with the the discussions, the main discussions that we have, so that we're including a lot more of what is going on now and not just what is going on in terms of, you know, uh, a group of issues that were a story arc or something like that, or going back to different things, which we're still going to do some of that because they are fun to do those. But we're also going to be covering just what is happening now. Like case in point, right now we're in the thick of Goblin Nation with Superior Spider-Man, and we've been holding off on discussion, discussing it just so that we can wait until it's done and then talk about the event as a whole. And no, <laughs> we need to talk about this now. So we're going to talk about uh, number 29, as well as the second annual for Superior Spider-Man. This is, again, it's been a roller coaster ride, and these two were no exceptions to that either. Yeah, and God, talk about a breakneck pace. Like, this, it, this is something that in any other comic would have been like eight, 10, 12 issues and slots cranking this out in what, like four plus an annual. <laughs> yeah. What I like about this too, is that it's, it's very multifaceted. We're getting so many things going on at the same time, but slot really knows how to handle that. And we've seen that in other issues where, not issues of Spider-Man, I should say, but other series wherein the writer is not necessarily as comfortable handling having too many plates in the air at the same time. But a good writer that excels at that kind of thing can do it effortlessly. And Slot is that kind of writer. Because, I mean, when you're looking at what is going on with Peter and... Carly, Peter and Mary Jane, Peter, well, pay, Peter and any woman and in his <laughs> life. And then you've got the stuff with Otto and how it pertains to that. You've got the stuff with the essence of Peter returning or never having gone, but 
We knew that. Thank you, Slot. And then you've got the, <laughs> the stuff with Jameson and his spider bots and how that's affecting his staff. You're having Carly being infected. And in my opinion, even more important, because you also got all of the, the, the goblin stuff happening as well. But the, the most important storyline, in my opinion, is Otto slash Spider-Man's relationship now with the Green Goblin. And yeah. that that dynamic of the two villains fighting each other, only one's pretending to be a hero, that has been incredible. And what makes this all so great is really one of Dan Slott's biggest strengths that when he's telling a storyline, he just doesn't you know tell that story. He's always laying the groundwork for what's to come. And that's not something you see a lot of other writers doing. Like, oh, you know, there might be a little hint there, but... Even the whole time when he was fighting Venom or dealing with uh, the Superior Six and you know, all that stuff, every issue was laying groundwork for this storyline in some way. And, I mean, geez, I didn't even mention Spider-Man 2099 yeah. stuff that's in there, <laughs> which is becoming more prominent as this is going on. Like, he's playing a very important role in this to the point of saving Otto in this issue – and so, like, I don't know how much more we're going to see of that in future issues kind of thing. But, again, there, there's so many facets to this story. And every single one of them has been, at, like you were saying, at that breakneck pace of it's it, this is the ball rolling down in Raiders of the Lost Ark to squish <laughs> Indy and he's running away. And it's just that insane pace all the way through. I have to wonder if some of that is, you know, slot having to meet a deadline of, okay, we need to relaunch Amazing Spider-Man with Peter Parker in time for the movie. Right. So, you know, this is your cutoff date. But it, even if so, I'd say it's working in its favor of just every page is packed with content. Yeah. So here in this uh, this issue, we are seeing a lot more, like I said, of the dynamic between – um, Spider, I need to separate it. Spider-Man and Goblin, which has been a lot of fun because Goblin is just going to town on everything he that that affects Otto, not Peter, and just well, I shouldn't say that he he is going after people that meant something to Peter, but those aren't nearly as important to Otto. And but no, he's looking at the the home where he grew up at, the the place where he started working, where there was the accident with the the arms and and all the the list down. And I I love that two page spread with the maniacal looking mm. goblin, <laughs> where it's like this boom, this boom, and everything is being destroyed. And this idea that he has of, you know what, if those don't matter to you, eventually I'm going to hit on something that really does. And there are so few villains where something like that would actually like work. Like we've seen it so many times and it's just like, Oh, he's just, he's just destroying stuff. But when it's Norman and it just has such a different, psychotic twist on it and a lot of that has to be you know the artwork was freaking yeah. ridiculous yeah although i am disappointed that it wasn't umberto i'm mm -hmm. always disappointed when it's not umberto i don't care how good it was well it, it also seems like a good time to point out like i giuseppe Comicoli has been delivering great work on spider-man yeah. filling in for ramos i just have to point out why is it every time we see monster carly her crotch is prominently on display <laughs> Now I have to look. 
it's <laughs> I, 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 I feel bad like it's just it's like every panel it's like okay i i have more of an understanding of carly cooper's inner thigh than i do my own at this point <laughs> yeah but you can't see yours even the issues Kamakoli doesn't draw in the annual there it is <laughs> jesus all right um surprisingly awesome and in fact surprisingly what what stole the person who stole the um the the the, the issue was freaking Dr. Lamaze who <laughs> sacrifices himself to save Spider-Man and you're looking at just like a few pages but wow it was absolutely phenomenal yeah and drawing on the limited history we have with that character and how much Lamaze means to Otto. And it, it's so, so much like, oh, you know, he could have figured out. And it's like, no, he's just felt bad that he was a wuss earlier and it, it worked. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, fantastic issue. The next one, of course, is the annual, the second annual. That one was written by Crystal Crystal's Gaze, Gage and um, art by Rodriguez and who else? I think that's it. Yeah, he did the uh, and Alvaro Lopez. Anyways, this one here centered more on um, Yurik, Ben Yurik because he is the, the uncle of the Hobgoblin and if you've been obviously following this long you you realize what happened there kind of thing and he talks about and he he shows as he's writing because that's what he does he's a reporter his interactions with the people that were affected by this but it's a different spin because he's not taking the spin that we're seeing in superior spider-man where it is centered around spider-man here it's the people that are affected and in a, a large way, the people are, who are affected by what is going on with by the Hobgoblin and the Goblin Nation kind of thing. So you're seeing him actually trying to revert the infection or whatever you want to call it that his nephew has. And then he's also talking. He finds out about Carly and things like that because she is being worked on. It was, I, I really enjoyed this a lot because he's an interesting character. He's, he's so much the everyman and, and yet a very intelligent everyman who is also kind of broken by life. Mm-hmm. And it was good. I actually enjoy when we get to these occasional interludes with Ben because it, whenever Ben is the focal point of even, you know, a fragment of a story, it gives it a very different pace and a different feel and a different perspective yeah. that very frequently and we see here enhances the overall story. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Like this is, I'm going to assume that it's quite consciously done by the writer because you wouldn't get the same type of narrative or the same type of story if it was centered around someone who, you know, was a freaking chef or whatever. It's very much, you know, this guy's a reporter. He investigates, he digs, he, and he has a, an understanding of the language and, and things like that. So it's, it's very well written so that you are feeling 
that you are in this man's mindset. And again, the character himself is someone that has been through so much and has been partially broken by life kind of thing. And, and it's something that you can relate to once you've got a few years under your belt kind of thing and experiences. And so it, it's, it was exceptionally well-written. I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and we've seen similar stories in the past uh, also from the perspective of other reporters like Nora Winters. Yeah. And while it's been a similar format and, and concept, the voice between yeah. the characters is really what makes it work. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ben's a, a very likable character. So. Yeah, no, nothing against Nora. Those issues were good as well, but it, it's still very noticeable yeah. from the uh, writer's perspective. Now, this issue was good, too, because it actually had two stories to it. The second story, also by Crystal Gage, was about Wraith. And because she's kind of being held at Spider Island right now by a robot. stupid robot and so and she actually finds carly and carly is being experimented on quote unquote by what what's her name again sajani right who is partners with peter in that new venture and so this is continuing from the first story or no, that's not even in the first one. That's it. Yeah, it's in the first one. Yeah, because you see him talking to mm-hmm. her. Um, so it's continuing that story along. And but Wraith goes ballistic on Carly, not realizing that it's Carly, and just how close they were to keeping her calm and and preparing for the experimental solution that would return her back to normal, kind of thing. This this was cool because you got a little bit more. It's it's not like character driven or anything, but you got more information in terms of why Wraith has been so inadequate inadequate in this because her lenses were created by Parker. So in the same way that his spider bots can't see anything that's goblin related, well, she can't either. So that explains it. And she just decides that she is going to town now, which is a hilarious comic book way to do things. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was it all makes no actual sense. It doesn't but, okay. have to. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. In turn, like it, it, none at all, but <laughs> I, I don't know how they decided that if it's got pointy ears and a sharp nose, filter it out. <laughs> I don't know how Osborne <laughs> hacked that in, but he's just smart, smarter than both of us. So there you go. That's why he figured it out. And yet our hair isn't that bad. Thank God for that. I know mine's not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I I love both of these stories. See, the one thing I really liked about this annual, especially when you take the two stories together, is you really see what makes certain goblins work and certain others don't. Like, like we see, you know, Phil is so ridiculous as hobgoblin and goblin knight because it taps into a certain aspect of his own personality that he's more than willing to indulge whereas carly doesn't and it it just plays out over the years you see all the people who have been affected by the goblin serum like you know norman osborne always gave the perception of being you know this upright you know functioning member of society as this businessman but i mean secretly he was always this megalomaniacal you know power hungry person and just seeing how the goblin serum feeds on that. Well, we've obviously seen how that plays out 
Whereas even when Harry was under the effects, it was very different. And that's how he was able to get over it and move on with his life. So it's a very simple story that really puts a lot of Spider-Man history in perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. That's what I was trying to say, too, wherein it doesn't because there's so many things going on with this right now different issues from different series and different things as well you're you're getting the story from a lot of different things they don't always have to be entirely character driven kind of thing or even story driven sometimes it's just about giving you that just an extra layer to make it all make sense and fit together properly kind of thing Mm -hmm. and that's definitely what this does and and they are still enjoyable stories i i I enjoyed the annual quite a bit. So yeah. Yes. So moving on now, let's talk about the new Wolvie and his peeps because that has relaunched now. So we're looking at volume two of that and we're going to talk about what's going on in the first couple of issues that have come out. Now, before that, were you as sad as I was with the last issue of Jason Aaron's? You know what? <laughs> we're actually not going to talk about that because I haven't read it. <laughs> hey, listen, people. <laughs> I read a lot of comics. I have a lot of comics all over the place, and sometimes I kind of misplace where some of them are. Now, I am going to be reading about it, and we'll talk about it in what we're reading maybe next week. (laughs) But I haven't actually read it yet. It's just I had these, and again, it's the old, well, it was there, so I read it kind of thing. And I I was looking forward to reading this. This is actually from Jason Latour instead of Aaron. And... And art by Mahmoud? Mahmoud? How would we, how would we say this? Mahmoud? I, I don't Azra. know what in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, we'll go with that. And uh, Israel Silva. The art is actually quite good. I, I was very, very impressed. Before we actually get into the, the story of what is going on in these two issues, I'm not that impressed with him as a writer. What mm-hmm. else has he worked on? Do you know? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, okay. but I'll Google it while you're talking. Because I honestly, I, I I meant to do that, but got a little busy pre-show. <laughs> I'm now a granddad again. So my daughter, my granddaughter was here. So that was more important. Uh, but yeah, no, the I noticed immediately from the first issue as I was reading it. And it was something that, I mean, again, Jason Aaron has the ability. Not a lot, actually. Yeah, okay, I'm not surprised. <laughs> He he really grasps the 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 genre well, comic book writing, and it's funny because I was actually just talking to someone about that uh, last week, I believe, and it's actually someone from and throwing a little geek gaming thing. Vince and I both play Diablo three, especially as of late since they fixed it. And one of the people that's in our clan was saying how he has written comics and he said, you probably don't think it's that big. He didn't know what we do. <laughs> He's like, you probably don't think it's a big deal or anything, but it's he actually didn't know what he got himself into. Yeah, huh? It's, it's actually harder than you would think to pace a problem. And it goes, I know exactly what you mean. Trust me. It is harder to write comics than people realize. Not just in terms of the grander scale of creating characters and settings and things like that, 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 that overarching ability to, to write quote unquote comics again, but just the nitty gritty of panel to panel, page to page kind of thing, how to handle narrative properly, how to handle people's conversations and all of these things. And when it's good, you won't think about it for the most part. If you let yourself just get sucked into it, 
you'll enjoy it for the ride that it is and be thrilled about it. But when it's bad or even mediocre, and I, I that's a terrible insult for this man, and I apologize, but I'm not going to lie about it. I read this and it just, I personally did not like the writing at all. And it kind of ruined a series that I really was heavily invested in. What about you? I like the concept of the story he's telling and the whole stuff with choir and adjusting to his new role within, within the school and all the stuff going on with the Phoenix. Like as an overall plot point, it's definitely something I'm interested in, but yeah, it's, it's not terribly fun. Like, it's just like, okay, this is what happened. And from uh, looking it up, he also wrote the uh, Japan's Most Wanted webs comic, which was one of the most average Wolverine stories yeah, I've read. Good. Okay. Yeah. See, I think that right now they're putting way too much importance on Quentin Guire. And he is. Yeah, not- it's, it's not Wolverine and the X Men, it's Quentin Guire and the other guys. Yeah, at this point, yeah. It's. They're putting way too much importance on a character that is very difficult to like. And so that's kind and, – and also not just that, but like you're saying, like this is a new character and he is pretty much kind of taken over. So I – not that new. He's been around for over a decade. <sighs> Shut up. <laughs> Be that way. He's, in terms of popularity and, and exposure, he's relatively new. He was Are the main you? character in one of the biggest X-Men story arcs. Okay, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Listen, <laughs> you, you didn't want to host this episode. Now you're going to poo-poo all over me. And I filtered that. That is the co-host's role. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what you do so to me every week? remember that. Okay, fine. I didn't read that one. Anyways, what I'm saying is <laughs> <laughs> I have never been that crazy about the character. And giving him this much attention is not making that any better. On top of that, and this is coming from someone who, and and this is all subjective, you don't have to agree with me, people, but coming from somebody who has raised four kids, I'm on my fourth teenager who just turned 17 literally last week, so we've, we've got a little bit of experience there, and also someone who writes young adult fiction. I despise when... A writer decides that damn near every teenager has to be a whiny pain in the ass, quote unquote, stereotypical teenager, because that's not the stereotype. When you read Jason Aaron's teens, yeah, there was some bickering sometimes. And there was some of that, again, quote unquote, stereotypical behavior, but not to this degree. Most of these kids are walking talking stereotypes and not the good ones it's not fun to read this and there you all you want to do is slap them all upside the head mm-hmm. I, I was actually really disappointed with uh the characterization of hisako armor who was went through yeah. so much as a character uh in astonishing x-men i mean was integral in preventing earth being destroyed <laughs> And she can't handle a classroom full of teenagers. Well, not just that. Look at how Indy is treating her. So now mm-hmm. you have a character that uh, Indy that was a fantastic character under Aaron. I mean, 
he did a great job with her showing the depth that she has because of everything that she's gone through. Plus the emotional baggage she has to carry where sometimes you don't know if she's going to lose it or not. Like the, 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 the plane with her potentially going dark side kind of thing is, is always kind of there looming and she pulls it off or rather Aaron does in here. She's just this snivelly, whiny little brat that you want to lock in a room and tell her she ain't coming out until she learns to behave. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Latour had some incredibly big shoes to fill, but... That doesn't change. It's, it's yeah. not even close right now for me. Yeah. I. And then I, again, it's... I'm still interested because I want to see how the story plays out, but as of right now, it's not, oh my God, I have to check out the new issue. No, not at all. Not at all at all. And uh, I'll go you one further. After reading two of them, I'm, I will probably keep reading it, but I would literally be all right taking this off my pull list because I can do without reading it. <laughs> there are so many X-Men stories that you can cherry pick the ones that you like. So mm-hmm. you don't have to read them all. And this You, you can is, catch up and then the crossover hits. Yeah, you can do without this one. Because, like, I, I, again, when you're looking at it, like you're saying, the concepts and whatnot, and him trying to, um, to recruit, what's his face? Um, uh, Phantom X. Phantom X, sorry. I knew his real name, Jean-Philippe. <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> think of Phantom X. Um, but the, the, the idea of, I'm going to go and try to recruit this guy, and thinking about the history there between the two characters because of what happened with in in X Factor or yeah Uncanny X Force X Force sorry yeah you're right um, the there, there's so much there to play with and he he does play with that but he kind of fumbles it so I'm left thinking. Wow, and, and this is certainly not to say that I I could write it better because I don't write comic books. So I'm, but I don't drive, you know, make cars, and I can criticize if it doesn't handle well. So in the same way, I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, I would run it this way. I would kind of I think this would have been a lot more interesting kind of thing, and the way that it's done, and and especially just the way that it's it's written, the language, the dialogue, the 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 way the pages flow, everything. It just all of these interesting concepts that you have with the Apocalypse Child and, and, and with Phantom X, not to mention the remainder of the kids at school. There are, there are so many things that could be done, and, and instead it just winds up feeling like Aurora's babysitting a bunch of rats kind of thing. Poor Storm. <laughs> and also, again, we're still looking at what's going on with, with Wolverine. And with him not having his healing factor and him trying to deal with that and what he is going to be, who he's going to be as a person and how Storm is trying to help him with that because of the relationship that they have. But again, you're left with a situation where you're reading and thinking, wow, I really don't like how that is being written. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, it co- came off very awkward to me. Yeah. So we're not going to go too, too much into it because quite frankly, again, it's 
not all that impressive. So read it, make up your own minds though, and see if you like it. Leave us a comment on the site. And uh, if you did like it and uh, you think we're idiots, go ahead and let us know. I don't mind. I call him an idiot all the time. Uh, sticking with the Spider-Man and Wolverine and his peeps X-Men, we actually got dropped on us a couple of new trailers for both of those movies. We got the, what is, I think it's the third Spider-Man trailer. Third or fourth, yeah. Yeah, that came out, which people kind of wigged out about. And then we've got the newest Days of Future Past trailer for the X-Men as well are dropped, which, by the sound of it, you were a lot more impressed with than I was. It made me a lot more hopeful that the movie is going to be good. It gave us a better idea of the tone of the story. We finally got to see actual bits of action instead of characters just standing around. I, honestly, the just the, the one little scene of Iceman on his ice slide sold me. <laughs> What's funny is that, and I now, I, I, I'm doing the same thing with Spider-Man, where I'm trying to separate the movies from the comics. Mm-hmm. And accept that this is the vision that that this director has and this writer, screenwriter has for the characters that can differ wildly from what the actual canon is. The problem I have with that, though, is when said director and writers cater to the actors and not the characters. Mm-hmm. So if we look at Days of Future Past... I haven't looked at actual screen time, who has the most, but one of the ones that has a lot of freaking screen time and is like prominent even on the poster is Jennifer Lawrence is Mystique. Now I like her. Everybody likes her. How can you not? And she plays a damn fine Mystique, even though it's nothing like the comic book, but she is not that important (laughs) in the X-Men canon even, let alone Days of Future Past, but because the actress is a name actress that makes money for them, all of a sudden her character is supremely important. Well, it, it has to be said that for a lot of major studios, the actual filmmakers, the writers and directors, have very little say in the promotion of the movie, being the posters and even the trailers. Very, very few directors actually cut their own trailers. Okay, well, whatever, you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. I'm just saying that from the you, especially with a big superhero picture like this, you can never judge the film from the promotion because we've seen plenty of films that look good and trailers. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and you were not, you're still not thrilled even after the last uh, Spider-Man trailer. I will say that the action choreography is very impressive. No kidding. The effects are still pretty weak, if you ask me. Electro still looks awful. And I, I don't know, like a lot of the CGI action just felt kind of disjointed to me. Like it did. And well, it's like in, the, in, the, in the early trailers, <laughs> I was willing to forgive a lot of that because, you know, the effects aren't done. But the movie comes out in, what, a month and a half? Yeah. Like, this, this has to be final effects. And at least for me, it still doesn't look quite right. Like it, it still looks like, you know, video game characters jumping around. Yeah, but it just doesn't mesh. It just seems very disjointed. And Harry just looks weird. Oh, you you don't even want to see the picture they just released today. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird looking dude. And they don't make him look any better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to what we're reading. 
First one I want to talk about, again, sticking with freaking X-Men, did you read the Magneto number one? I love how their concept for the Magneto comic is, hey, let's take all the really cool stuff Michael Fassbender did in X-Men First Class and just make an entire comic out of it. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. I This is Colin Bunn wrote this one, and the art is uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta, and it's freaking good, too. I like the art a lot, actually. Um what Very I like, reminiscent of Bacalo, but not in a bad way. Yeah, exactly. What I like about this is that 10 years ago, you know, a Magneto comic probably would not have had this impact. But he has, he had been the villain for so long, and then the person trying to redeem mutant kind, and then became the underling of... Well, at the time, someone who was good. <laughs> and then it all went to shit after that. But, uh, but Duck quack. Not for that. No, I didn't before. I'm not doing that for that. <laughs> That's safe. They say that on TV. Um, <laughs> TV do you watch? <laughs> Canadian TV. <laughs> Seriously, watch Continuum. <laughs> Third season just started. Um, anyways, the um, what I like about this is that he is... He's... He's had that hero role now for a little bit. And even the waylaid hero as of late. And that helps give him that additional layer and at least a glimmer of something that we can relate to with the character that then makes a series like this possible. So the steps backwards that he takes, which he justifies wholly, and whether they're right or wrong, that's up to people to decide what their morality would allow. But taking these steps back as what would be seen as a villain, you can still relate to him as a person, making this a series that, when well-written, which in my opinion this is, works insanely well. Yeah, it's, you know, he's, Colin Bunn is such a frustrating writer because everything of his I've read is either fantastic or awful. <laughs> like he has no in between. <laughs> yeah. So this here, Magneto's going to town on people he feels has wronged mutant kind. And he is the hiding from shield at the same time. Cause of course they're not going to take too well to doctors being impaled by street signs. <laughs> <laughs> and so you have that mystique of, you know, what is, what's real and what's not. He has to be careful that he doesn't follow a lead that was a plant by S.H.I.E.L.D. And eventually that is what winds up happening. But we're getting some interesting dialogue from him as well, inner dialogue. He's monologuing again. That's what we're going to hear a lot of. But it's not Magneto too... Magneto is allowed to monologue. monologue. as much as he wants. So there's the... Um, there's not too much because the character is not that wordy. So, and, and he, Bun knew that. And, you know, the monologuing, the narrative is short. It's to the point. It's, it's, you know, it's not apologetic in the least. I, again, I, I personally really like this a lot. What really sold me on this comic, and it's one of the best scenes I've read and seen, because the artwork was great as well, in a long time, was when he walks into, was it the police station, I yeah, think? Yeah. And he's in his plain clothes, 
And as he starts unleashing chaos, he takes bits of metal and actually forms his Magneto helmet. And, you know, it's that transformation from Eric into Magneto, both in the story and the artwork. It was just brilliant. Yes. Yes, it was. Okay, let's talk about the relaunching of Daredevil as well. Did you read the new number one? I did not. Okay, so now he's in San Francisco. He's out of of uh, of New York, which it's it's explained well because again he knows New York inside and out. So now being somewhere entirely different where as a blind man trying to figure out where you're going to be bouncing around to try to save people. It's a little tricky if you don't remember where all the buildings are kind of thing. So Wade does a good job on it. Um, Samney does the art, which it, 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 it was okay. It's still not, you know, so it, Samney, I've, I've always respected his artwork. It's just not my style. A cup of tea. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, the problem is, is that it's still Daredevil and neither one of us are huge Daredevil fans. So even though I can appreciate that it was well written, it's still Daredevil and I'm not a big Daredevil fan. So it was like, mm, I'm not going to bother continuing with it. I can appreciate what he's doing and it was, it was fun read, but not for me. Yeah. So, uh, next up, uh, I've been keeping up with Batman beyond. Have you been keeping up with that? Very much. So we've got the new story arc that just started the Batman and, this has been a ton of fun. Again, the I, I've been saying every time I mention Batman Beyond, the new reboot of it. I, I don't even know which version this is anymore. Uh, they're they're technically calling it two point oh. Yeah, but that's only yeah. as far as the digital version. Exactly, are exactly. Concerned. Yeah, yeah. I I love what they're doing with the stories. I love how they're really incorporating the past, Batman's past, and different. You know. Nightwing and the different Robins and, and Barbara and stuff like that. So you're getting a lot of, a lot of history that we may not have seen in current Batman stuff simply because of that time gap between Batman and Batman beyond. So here we see the very forced relationship between Barbara and, and Dick and so, and you're, you're kind of seeing hints of what went wrong between the two of them. And when she eventually married somebody else and she's been happy with, I, I believe, what's his name? Sam, I believe. Yeah, Sam. Um, and so you're, you're, you're seeing that. And, and I love how you're also seeing scenes with, you know, the Flash and Nightwing talking while they're taking down Mr. Freeze, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. And he's trying to give him advice and stuff like that. But yeah, I, this, this issue was in, he, he, there was next to no Terry in it. He was only in it for a little bit at the end because he was not important to this issue. This is laying the groundwork. And I'm, I'm really curious what that groundwork is going to be now because they're, they're doing such a good job incorporating Barbara and, and Dick into whatever the story is going to be. Yeah, and all all the stuff with Man Bat and Bruce coming back into it. It's it's been very very well done. Yeah, and and I'm going to just one more. <laughs> Did don't you laugh at me? Did you? Because <laughs> there's a lot of other ones I could talk about. I, I am aware. But there's like a lot 
have other ones that I could talk about. It's been a month. We, it's, we've it's we've got a backlog. Like, it's insane. And, and the thing is, is that that backlog includes such awesome friggin' comics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like there's so many that I want to talk about. <laughs> did you read Sovereign from Image? No, I did not. Chris Robertson or Robertson story. Oh, okay. Um, this is freaking cool as hell. It's it's a little kind of the writing is a little I don't want to say disjointed. It's just kind of until you get a handle on the characters and you get a handle on the story, it's kind of like what the hell is going on here? But in a good way. But it's like okay, I I I want to know what who all these people are, the time frame and whatnot, and. And and part of that gets explained later on at the end. There's a huge write-up that talks about it. It's the Luminari, and it talks about the Kendish culture and the time and what these people did, and the you know the the kind of the legends and whatnot. And so the story is following several different groups of people during this time on various adventures. I, I, you can't quite see yet how they're all going to mingle in, but I'm already one freaking issue. I'm already invested in these characters. One issue. I want to know what's going to happen with these characters. They're, they're that well-written and, and likable that it's like, wow, this is supremely interesting. So pick it up, read it. If you didn't like it, let us know. It might be, a little too kind of out there. It's not out there like East meets West and all of those things kind of thing. It's not that. It's it's just dealing with some supernatural elements and whatnot, but in a way that feels very familiar for things that we've read of, you know, old English time fantasy tales and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, this was, it was definitely a read and actually one that I'm really looking forward to seeing where it's going. Sounds like something I'd be into. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would love this. You would absolutely adore this. All right. Cool. Your turn. All right. Uh, Again, trying to pick. uh, I just picked the first couple that came to mind as what I wanted to talk about. Uh, First of all, Thunderbolts. You still haven't checked this out. Not at all. uh, Okay. Like I said, when it first came out and Danny Way was writing it, it was crap. Not going to justify it. But uh, once Charles Soule took over, who, again, has been the savior of any number of comics, um, it's been within one issue. He turned it around, made it very interesting. Uh, We just finished a three-issue, I think it was, storyline with Ghost Rider joining the team. And it was finally his way of like, okay, I need to write out the last crappy thing of Danny Ways that's still laying around. But he did it in a way that brought in Ghost Rider and was a whole lot of fun. Because I, I love Ghost Rider, sorry. And just what really makes this comic work right now is I, I've said so many times when we're talking about Ghost Rider, you need a great artist on a Ghost Rider comic. You need to make that that character image work. And Carlo Barberi has killed it. It looks fantastic. It's been a great ride seeing all the dynamics of the team. Charles Soule even made a reference to the awful obscure period of going back to our last episode that we recorded of punisher (laughs) lore where he was actually an avenging angel from heaven (laughs) took that awful storyline and actually made it a very minor point but i laughed out loud when that happened it was pretty fun and then the latest issue 23 i think it was 
was uh, basically a one-shot story of Venom leaving the team because we know he's going to be joining the Guardians of the Galaxy soon. And he justifies it by it being, you know, Venom and Flash being around all this violence that's been going on. He's really losing control over the symbiote, so he needs to leave. But he doesn't want to go until he's sure that somebody could take him down if he ever lost control. So basically he challenges the rest of the team to take down Venom. And it's 20 pages of Venom just wrecking the crap <laughs> out of everything. But you see, you know, you have the character stuff of, you know, Flash and his interactions with the team. You have the action. And still the thing that really holds this book together is the light amount of comedy you get from a writer that can handle Deadpool. There's a scene where in Deadpool's effort to lure out Venom into a trap, he draws lines all over the costume, to print, all over his costume and pretends to be Spider-Man. It's that very small touch of comedy that really ties it all together and has made it a very enjoyable run under Soul, which makes me very sad because he only has, I think, three issues left before he hands it over to new writers. Oh, do we know who? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, which that's either pen names or they were born to write comics together. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, they're actually the guys that did the uh, Thunderbolts annual a couple months ago, which I did really enjoy. Hmm. So they're not just you know fresh coming out. Uh, they actually have some experience with the content. All right. Beyond that, actually completely unintentional, but sticking, sticking with Charles Soule, uh, Superman Wonder Woman. I still am so impressed with this comic because I was expecting crap. Because, well, let's be honest. Well, it, was, it, it, it would be par for the course. Well, not just that. It's how they were actually marketing it. Yeah, the marketing The marketing was, was saying, like, this is going to be like a Twilight story, but with these characters. And it's like you read it and realize, okay, there's a little bit of that in terms of the, the romance. But for the most part, it's handled maturely as adults and, and how it would be in that type of situation. Mm-hmm. Have you actually read the last couple issues? No, I'm actually, I say that, but I'm behind one or two. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, no, it's it's been a great superhero team-up comic of these two powerful, fun characters going out and being superheroes and at the same time trying to manage some sort of relationship. And again, the way Soul handles that balance works so well. Even when you get to a point where, because in this... Uh, latest couple issues actually fighting general zod and feora who have crossed over from the negative zone where something that otherwise would have been cheesy and like that like eye rolling you know romantic sort of thing when it happens here and zod and feora actually make fun of it 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 works for the comic and it's i've I've been very impressed it's honestly probably one of my favorite reads from dc right now because a lot of the other ones i've really been enjoying have been slipping lately you know what they need to do? They need to transition it where Wonder Woman dumps him and it becomes Batman Wonder Woman. <laughs> and just kind of smoothly well, no, no, transition no. into that. Superman, be- Batman. <laughs> make, it would make Tumblr very that's like That's a fan fiction if I ever heard it. <laughs> and then finally, I just wanted to touch on Nova. And again, just how much I'm loving this comic because we have a very young, very inexperienced hero with incredible power, who in every single issue continues to make mistakes. But he's learning from the mistakes. He's growing as a hero and as a character. And it's been 
a very fun ride to go along with. Plus, he's teaming up with Beta Ray Bill, so I'm just kind of fanboying out. I love the first interactions between the two of those, where there's that big fight. <laughs> that was freaking awesome because it was like you hit that jackass Nova, get to it down. You can do it. <laughs> Take him out. I never liked him either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's it's just another very fun but very good comic at the same time. Cool. All right, you done? I'm done. Okay, we're going to do our new releases. And as we've said, with a few changes here and there that are going to be occurring with the podcast as we progress forward, new releases are getting trimmed way back. We've been going to town telling you about damn near everything coming out. And no, we're just going to cherry pick ones that we are more interested in. They might not always be good, but we're interested in what's going to be going on. Some of them, of course, are also going to be favorites of ours, and that's why. So from the Marvel side, there is an all-new Ghost Rider, so I'm curious what that's going to be, how it's going to be. Of course, we also have Amazing X-Men number 5. That's just always going to be on the list. I don't care what happens. You realize uh, Jason Aaron's leaving after issue 6, right? (sighs) Who's taking over? I forget off the top of my head, but basically Jason Aaron's just way too busy with uh, the original sin. So he, he did this great send off like on Twitter and on his blog of he's been writing X-Men comics for almost a decade now. And like it was Jason Aaron's a cool guy. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. See, this is why I don't actually read comic book news. I just let you tell me stuff as we're doing the podcast. <laughs> and, and I then, wait for the perfect moments to strike. Yeah. And then you get the genuine re- reaction of like despair. It's like, oh, damn, seriously? <laughs> All right. We got Silver Surfer number one. So that's going to be the Dan Slot one, which based on yeah. what we read so far, sadly, I am really not that interested in. I'll read it, but I don't know for how long. And then, of course, Superior Spider-Man number 30, continuing with Goblin Nation. On the DC side, we've got Batman the Dark Knight number 29 and Injustice Year 2 number 3. And the, that stuff has been, wow, the Injustice stuff is just amazing. Yeah. we got, uh, from Image, we've got Manhattan Projects number 19, which continues to be awesome. And, of course, Skull Kickers number 25 has been too long. I, it's been more than a month since 24, right? I'm trying to remember because I read 24. Oh, yeah. He, well, they always take a, they took a, a break quite a between break the there. story arcs. Yeah, it's been too long. Seriously? Zip? Come on. All right. I can't wait to read this. And from Dark Horse Comics, we have Serenity Leaves on the Wind, which continues to be freaking awesome. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes at comicbookinformer.com. You can find us on Twitter at CBinformer. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. For reals, we'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> for realsies. 